Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Life Change, Altering Career and Location Later in Life, we explore the intersection between changing one's career and how location can facilitate the pivot. Today's guest is Mitch Swergold, a corporate consultant, public speaker, writer, and coach. Mitch helps his clients increase productivity, reduce stress, improve health and well-being, and optimize their performance by training our most important and most overlooked assets, the human mind and body. A former lawyer, investment banker, and hedge fund manager, he took a one-year sabbatical to figure out life, which turned into 15. He has studied subjects ranging from Buddhism, meditation, and yoga, to trauma, biohacking, and many others. Today, he shares what he's learned to help as many people as possible live happier, healthier, more successful, and fulfilling lives. Mitch holds a BA from Columbia University and a JD from Emory University School of Law. Mitch, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Mitch, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, Jamie, for the nice intro. Um, I grew up in New York, and since a very young age, I've been into philosophy, biking, and the outdoors. I'm currently living in Miami, and I uh, love exploring different cultures and helping people understand and train their minds. Thanks, Mitch, for being on the show. You know, the days of working for one company for your entire career and getting your gold watch and retiring to Florida are long gone, even though some of us have already been Florida. <laughs> <in> Florida. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, people are living longer and stronger. You know, and most professions have experienced unusual twists and turns recently. And, you know, working in the same industry or job for your entire career is getting rarer and rarer. I know there's many benefits of changing careers you, know, you can pursue meaningful work that's aligned with your values and priorities. Uh, you can launch a passion project or a social cause that have been the back burner forever, or perhaps you can leverage experience that you've built over decades and start a business. But in most cases, changing careers later in life is a really, really good thing. And we should all, we should all do it. So Mitch, tell us a little bit about what, inspired the life change and how old were you in fact when when that happened so for me actually um it happened when i was 43 and i was working on wall street in a hedge fund and i was uh, very fortunate to understand what was going on with the banks at a pretty high level um early on and in uh late 2007 tried to explain to the guy running the fund I was working at, that the banks were going to zero and the system was going to collapse. And he basically told me I was out of my mind. So started looking for another position. Everything was drying up. And by uh, July of 2008, I gave my notice and decided I didn't want to be there for uh, what I saw as a very, very difficult and challenging and stressful experience. And to go sit on the beach in the south of France, figure out life, whatever that means, and see what came next and come back a year later. One year turned into 15, and here I am. 
So Mitch, you were in the middle of New York City in the go-go years with all the glamour that comes and all the money and all the action. I mean, what, what, what was it about that life that was, that was, that was not fulfilling? I mean, what was it, what was it that, was, that, was, that was affecting you and how did you know you were being affected in a negative way? You know, it, it's, it is very exciting. I was traveling to different continents, different countries across the U.S. as well, pretty much constantly. Um, and I got to see a lot, do a lot. It was first-class lifestyle and uh, was responsible for a lot of money. So from that standpoint, it was, it was really great and fun and expansive. But it also caused me to question how I was actually helping society. And one of the things that uh, was happening to me or for me was that I started realizing that I was really stressed out. The pressure was intense all the time. I wasn't being kind to my body. Um, and that stress, when you put it on the body because you're not sleeping much and traveling so much can really start to break it down. And I started spending a lot of time in doctor's offices in my 30s and 40s, and it didn't seem right. It didn't seem like the way that I should be feeling at that age. It seemed too early to be spending time in doctor's offices. And I think I was on autopilot. Um, so while it was serving my intention to make a lot of money, I was not going to live to spend it. I had a lot of focus and tenacity and grit, but I wasn't aware of what I was doing to myself. And I think I was headed to a, a bad outcome. So um, I feel very fortunate to have begun to recognize that in that first year. And then of course I had cancer, which really forced me to look at myself. And, um, and that led me onto this journey in earnest. You know, I mean, I, I want to unpack that a little bit because um, I think there's a lot, a lot there to talk about. But, you know, changing careers doesn't necessarily mean that you're giving up something, right? Or making a sacrifice. It's actually, in some cases, making major life changes are can be for the better, right? There's a, there's a great book that I just started reading from, from David Brooks called The Second Mountain. I'm not quite sure if you read it, uh, but it talks about changes in life and the first mountain that we climb in life is a is is, a, is is towards career and money and success whereas the second mountain that we should climb later in life is for purpose and meaning and it, it the great book describes about you know how we go about doing that and it's fascinating and so it sounds like you decided to climb that quote unquote second mountain if you will uh at, at a point and 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 you, you seem like you're successful at doing it. So I'd love to be able to talk about not only the things, the triggers that, that, that happened, but more importantly, what, what you did with that insight and what you created for yourself. You know, I like David Brooks a lot. I've read um, a couple of his books, not that one. And I did hear about that now that you mention it. And uh, I think it's very insightful. Um, my journey was a little different. I think people often think that these are purposeful decisions that are made to end up at the outcome that came, you know, 15 years later. But it really was a series of one decision after another after another where the, the um, attitude of the boat 
if you will, or the uh, the plane uh, was being adjusted and the direction was being adjusted and adjusted and adjusted until I got to where I am. I originally intended to go back to the street after a year. And uh, at that time, that was not an auspicious time to be looking for a job on the street. And I threw myself uh, deeper into study after surviving cancer, which happened fortuitously at the beginning of this journey. And uh, I think that um, it today, there are more people who have walked that path. And so people can sit down and say, hmm, you know, I see what this guy did. I'd like to do something like that too. That back when I did it, I don't know that there were that many people who did that sort of thing and decided that they were going to step out of the matrix, if you will, out of the societal conditioning and say, you know, I don't necessarily need to follow this path that everybody's been following for decades and decades, and I can do something different. It, that's not how it happened for me. So, but I'm glad it did because it was completely life-changing. And I've said that many times along the way. So there have been, you know, one change after another, after another. And again, this constantly is changing the direction of the path. It's interesting when people take a sabbatical or people want to change, a lot of times location plays into that as well, in the sense that you want to change where you're living or change your, your, your inputs to your stimuli, or you need, you need a break from where you are and you figure by, you need to distance yourself from the life or the issues that are causing problems or trauma or physical issues. And so location and, 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 and travel and where you end up is very important for you you, you mentioned it, uh, originally that you were headed to the south of france how did location play into your metamorphosis and, and why was it important or beneficial to change or to leave new york at all since let's face it if you're trying to change other things like your health or your or your outlook sometimes it's tra it's traumatic to also change location because because you, you're already comfortable where you are so take us through that thought process a little bit yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, one of the things that I found about living in the south of France is that there was so much novelty because there is so much to do there and it's so varied. There are over a hundred, I think it is, uh, what they call Village Perche, the perched villages on the cliffs to explore and discover. And I used to go on these long adventure runs, eight, 10, 15 miles, just looking around and checking things out. And that novelty was really stimulating for me. So first of all, I think the novelty of a new environment and particularly one as different as the South of France, even from a place like Florida. The second thing is that when I arrived in Florida, what I found is first of all, the cost of living is lower. Taxes don't exist, which is really beneficial. Um, especially when you're no longer earning a real living. Um, and then the other thing is that you have so much more of the outdoors available to you every day. I can walk outside my door and be in sunshine and be in a beautiful place. And I'm just minutes from a beach that I can walk to. Um, in, and, and I'm looking out at the water right now. In New York, if you don't live near Central Park, that's not happening. Because even if you're at one of the parks along the rivers, You've got cars coming at you at 60 miles an hour, just a few feet away. And it's not that calming for the nervous system, if you know what I mean. 
Um, and the other thing is that here, when I started uh, attending Buddhism classes, for instance, um, you know, I had attended them in New York, but in New York, they're huge classes. You don't get anywhere near the teacher, and you're lucky if you ever get to ask a question. Here, I was able to be in smaller class environments. I got to spend a lot of time with my teachers. I went to retreats and all, did all kinds of things that weren't so readily available in New York. So I think that makes a big difference as well. And then, of course, there's just the beautiful year-round weather. And, and all these changes that you made over the course of your, of your metamorphosis, how has that uh, manifested itself in terms of your mental health or your physical health? What, what, ch what change, positive changes have come from all this? You know, humans do so much better in nature, and studies show they've done these functional MRI studies um, on novelty, on uh, people spending time in nature, and they show that it just makes your entire disposition better. It makes you happier and you feel healthier. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, being here has been a really big benefit um, from uh, an emotional standpoint. You know, I, I, it's funny you say that because I would say I, I love nature, but I don't really love nature, right? I mean, I, I'm the kind of guy that has a Swiffer and a Roomba vacuum cleaner going. I've got, uh, you know, I'm averse to bugs. Just to say, so I, I, that would stress me out. Here, but, here. <laughs> but I can appreciate the fact that, you know, that, you know everyone talks about nature. Uh, you know, everyone has this picture of you being in the, you know, these rolling hills. The, you know, it's beautiful outside. It's great. But get caught at night, you know, in a rainstorm in the middle of nowhere. That's not fun. But I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. So you talk about Buddhism. That's interesting. So let's talk about that because I think that you know it's you. You mentioned earlier that it wasn't an a, a easy transition or like a clean one necessarily from being in career and then then moving moving onwards. But you've also uh, were purposeful about it, and you also made commitments. It sounds like to education to bettering yourself, to expanding your, um, your horizons and, and putting in the work. So tell us what were the things that you, what were the steps and things that you did in order to prepare yourself for where you are now so that we can all perhaps learn from that? You know, I, I, again, it, it was not so um, pre-designed. What happened for me was the realization that, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So I was on this training once early in the journey where uh, the foremost trauma expert in the world, Bessel van der Kolk, was teaching. And he said five words that changed my life. He was describing certain childhood experiences. And I was listening to what he was saying. And I was like, oh, that sounds just like my childhood again and again and again. And then finally, he said these five words. He said, this is severe child abuse. And I thought, holy cow, I, I never realized it. And sometimes it takes a situation where we experience something and we realize, come to a realization that, yes, that resonates is true for me. And then someone says something about that to put a label on it, because I think that we learn from experience, not from people talking at us. If he had just said severe child abuse is X, I might not have taken it the same way. 
Um, you know, my dad was a Holocaust survivor. He had uh, enormous unresolved trauma. And uh, I think that he did his very best to be an amazing father. Um, I don't uh, begrudge him that at all. Um, but it did have an impact on me. And the impact uh, was pretty extensive. And, you know, now I understand it at a deeply neurobiological level, not only in the mind, but also in the body. So what happened was, as I started to understand that along the way, and then I started to have kind of fortuitous experiences, like I had this enormous trauma discharge from the body. So the body holds energies, and one of those types of energy is traumatic energy. And it is, this is science, not, you know, foo-foo. So... I had this huge discharge and I didn't understand what it was until it was explained to me by Dan Siegel, who's this really famous guy in California, the founder of interpersonal neurobiology. He's an amazing guy. He's been a great mentor to me as well. And so Dan explained to me what I had experienced when I told him about it and suggested that I start studying in Colorado with Dan Poole Heller, who's quite famous because she uh, helped uh, Peter Levine to design uh, somatic experiencing over the course of 25 years, which is a really, really prominent uh, form of somatic psychology. And so I studied with her uh, for about two years uh, back and forth in Colorado. And these different things just sort of fell into place. I got lucky. So I traveled all over the country studying with these different people. Um, you know, it's not common that someone doesn't have a, a job doesn't have a wife, doesn't have kids. I was divorced, didn't have kids, didn't have any particular responsibilities and had some money. So I was able to go and do all these different things and change my life one thing after another and then start helping others. So where, so where are you now? So what, what is it that you're doing now? So now I'm a coach and a corporate trainer and a public speaker. I'm writing some books to explain certain things to people so that they can do the same things that I did, but without having to lift all the, all the heavy weights. Like I've lifted every weight in the gym. It's really not necessary. There are just a few good exercises you can do and you can get there too. And, you know, hopefully it saves people a lot of time, effort and energy by having a guide. Uh, oh, come on. I mean, you, know, you go to a gym, you want to be able to, at some point in time, know that you can lift that 100-pound dumbbell. I mean, what's the point? I know. I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 I think I understand your point, but I, I'd love for us to, to, to hear more about that, right? There's a lot of people out there that, um, that coach. There are a lot of people that need coaching. Um, and don't know exactly what coaching is and or what the benefits are of coaching. Can you help us understand what you think the benefit of coaching is for folks like us, um, maybe people that are, um, you know, at a dead end job or looking to change career? What are the things that you need to happen in life to, to, to go now seek out a, a coach? Sure. So, we are all operating on autopilot. And this is something that has to happen for us to survive. We've evolved over 4 billion years to have some very entrenched beliefs and behaviors that are survival functions. And there are roughly 80 trillion cells 
in the body, every single one of which is performing many functions all at once and communicating with other cells as well. So we need to learn to overcome the part of that autopilot that has been dominating our lives and keeping us from fulfilling our potential as human beings, as individuals, and as a species. And it's these kinds of programs that actually have us involved in, you know, all kinds of things in the world that don't serve us. So what I encourage people to do is to be curious, to never think that they have all the answers, to be humble enough to ask questions, to hear people out, even when they think they know, and to try everything, especially if you don't want to, because if you don't want to, in many cases, that's the ego actually saying, you know, I like being in control. And if you try that, I might lose my grip on you. So I think that you shouldn't do that because I want to stay in control. So when you feel aversion to something, dive into that. Another word for being on autopilot is unconscious. And this means that we're unaware at a deeper level of the nature of reality, of who we are, what really resonates and matters in our lives. For me, I've decided that the most important things are to live a fulfilling life, where I'm serving others, where, and, and even if I was an auto mechanic, I'd be serving others. But even taking that perspective to being an auto mechanic and not saying, oh, I gotta change this filter, or change this part of the engine, but rather like I'm helping this guy get to work tomorrow so he can feed his kids. By the way, Mitch, if you want to feel useful regarding cars, you want to come help me wash my car. I got no problem with that, by the way. <laughs> I want you to feel fulfilled in life. But in a more serious note, I would love to hear, and I think Alex is, a, 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 is alluding to this, I'd love to hear some examples of number one, what do some of these things mean, like uh, biohacking, et cetera, that you, that you use? And, and more importantly, do you have some examples of people that you have helped and, and how your, your journey, how you've taken what you've learned and how, how you're coaching and some examples of how it can help in real life, whether it's on the corporate side or the, or the re or retail side? Sure. So um, biohacking is using uh, different technologies for the purpose of enhancing your physical and emotional and mental and spiritual well-being. So it's everything from using red and near infrared light. Human beings are much like plants. We need light and light actually heals us. So um, I recognize how that sounds, but there are literally tens of thousands of studies. The preeminent uh, guy in the field is a guy at Harvard. Um, and I use my red light every single day. Quick example is if I go on a super hard 50, 70 mile bike ride, stand in front of the red, before standing in front of the red light, my legs are jello, they're killing me. Stand in front of the light, red light 10 minutes per side, and actually I feel almost like I haven't ridden. It's that effective. I've had injuries. I have healed them in part with red light. Um, neurofeedback is incredibly important for healing the mind, for healing trauma, uh, meditation, yoga, somatic work, body-based work. That's not really biohacking per se, but um, uh, supplements, uh, grounding mats, uh, all these things are very, very important. In terms of some examples, um, so a lot of people 
are in abusive relationships. And one of the things I've noticed is that I've had a lot of people come to me, both men and women, who don't even realize that they're in an abusive relationship. And sometimes they even think they're the problem. So helping them to understand these situations, how manipulation works, how to identify it in others, but also how to feel it in our own bodies when we're being manipulated and feeling our own feelings, noticing our responses that are the responses to manipulation. This helps people to understand what's going on, um, also strengthening their sense of the true self. And so that, that's one thing. Then on the corporate front, um, you know, I've helped a number of hedge fund managers and also some investment bankers to stop self-sabotaging. Um, I give corporate trainings about understanding and training the mind, uh, leadership, biohacking, neurofeedback, and things like that. Um, you know, if, if you don't, didn't know how to train for a bike race or a marathon, you could figure it out. But without researching it, the result might not be that great. It's the same thing with understanding the body-mind. You get a whole lot better results when you know how it works. I, I agree. I think life is more fun with company. And I think whether it's a physical change you're trying to make, mental, spiritual, having a coach, having someone there with you for the journey, guiding you, giving you support, keeping you on track that you don't make any crucial mistakes. I think that can not only be easier, it can be more fun. And I think there's a better chance of success. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, what I did in 15 years could have been done in a lot less time had I had the right kind of coaching for me. But a lot of what I learned was just developing at that time. I was very fortunate because if it had been 10 years earlier, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did. But because of the timing, it worked out well. And I've been there as these different fields across a diverse spectrum have become much more preeminent in our society. And now I'm trained across many of them. So when I hear the word coach, I think obviously about sports. And in today's athletic arena, coaching is as stressful, if not more than being the player, right? Because if you lose a couple of games, the coach gets fired. Uh, for the most part, the team says the same, a couple of guys get traded or whatever, but the coach is the one that's on the hot seat. But the coach's goal is to get the players to play the best of their ability and to win the game at the end of the day or the championship. But it's about winning at sports. In some cases, when I think about a life coach, I think about winning at life. What is winning? And what does that look like for people? You know, that's a great question. Um, so I think that coaching is much more, coaching when we're talking about body, mind, soul, spiritual growth, personal growth, is much more about the process than it is about the outcome because there is no there there. It's an ongoing process for all of us. I don't care if you're the most advanced person on the planet, you're still in the journey and constantly working on yourself. So um, I think that you have to find what resonates for you and to find, um, <laughs> there's a joke in coaching. How many coaches does it take to change a light bulb? One, but the light bulb has to want to change. So the first thing is <laughs> you be committed. You really need to be committed. And then as I said, it's a process. So 
Um, you know, there have been many times along the way where I said, wow, I got it. I finally get it. And then realized when life kicked me in the butt yet again that, okay, there's still more. As I said, it's an ongoing process. It's not a destination. It's a road to travel on, basically, right? And what was the comment you made to me the other day about the chicken and the pig? The, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. Yeah, for breakfast, the chicken's involved, but the pig is committed. <laughs> right. So, so you really, I think you, you got to be committed. You do need to, to throw yourself into it and say that this is what, what you really want. Um, in terms of finding the right coach, I think that the, it's important to ask what the coach's journey has been like. Uh, or to get a feel of their approach and how it may work for you. It's challenging to guide people if you haven't already walked the path that they are on. And that doesn't mean the specifics of that path. Like I've coached women. Obviously, I haven't walked the path of a woman. But we can understand from a, an awareness standpoint, from a consciousness standpoint, from a getting off of autopilot standpoint, where people are along the way and help them to rise to a different level. It also depends on the level of complexity of the issues that someone's dealing with. There are basic coaching programs that a lot of people are trained in, and those can be perfectly effective for helping people to accomplish this or that kind of thing in life. But if they really want to have significant growth, both at the spiritual and personal level, as well as any kind of physical healing and good health and relationships, that requires someone who's got vastly more training than your typical coaching programs offer and who has a great breadth of expertise and experience. Um, and finally, I think something really important is that you want someone who's empathetic but will hold you accountable rather than someone who's dogmatic because when you have someone who's dogmatic, they're often caught up in spiritual bypassing where it needs to be this way. And if you're not doing this, then you're a failure, which isn't really helping you in the first place because they need to be building you up and helping you to grow to different levels, not breaking you down because you didn't achieve whatever the goal was in that particular moment. Um, so we don't want to be justifying harmful behaviors or patterns. And um, it, it, it just doesn't transform people. It's like fitting a round peg into a square hole. You can get it in there if you really use a lot of brute strength, but it doesn't create transformational change. Well, listen, I, I've changed careers over the course of my life. I mean, it was more of the normal corporate changes from one industry to another. And then, and then I made a big change from the corporate side to the entertainment side. And, and it expanded my horizons in many ways. It, I, I, I viewed things differently than I'd looked at them before. What became important in life changed over time with me, which I think is also part of hopefully growing and achieving some, some wisdom <laughs> will be debatable with me. But um, for you, I, I want to congratulate you because I think making the kind of change you made takes a lot of courage. I think it's, it's not uh, everything you've said hasn't even touched on the fact that it's scary to change, right? Where they say the three biggest traumas in our life are death of a loved one, uh, moving or changing jobs are three huge traumas in our life. So I want to congratulate you on having had the courage to, to see this through and to power through this. Um, what advice would you give for anybody who's looking to make those type of changes? How would, how should they start or what should they evaluate? And then how can people get in touch with you if they want to take advantage of everything that you've learned and you've experienced and, and improve their lives with your help? Um, 
Oh, well, first, thanks. That's, that's kind of you to say. Um, you know, the, the, you could do what I did. You could take 15 years off, travel to trainings all over the country and even on other continents. You could try all kinds of modalities. You could do pretty much everything under the sun. Or instead of reinventing the wheel, you could hire a coach to guide you. It's more enjoyable and it's faster because you have someone keeping you on track and who's got a big toolbox to pull whatever to pull out of there, whatever's going to help you. Um, so it's a lot easier when you have someone by your side, as you said, doing things together with others. Um, I think that the biggest thing is the willingness to get outside of your comfort zone. We can say it, but we often don't realize when the ego is actually keeping us within our comfort zone. So having someone there who can see that, guide you, and metaphorically hold your hand can be very beneficial. Um, to reach me, uh, people can go to my website, which is www.selfmasterygym.com, where you lift the weights for the mind. And, uh, or you can email me at mitch at mitchswergold.com. Well, this has been terrific, Mitch. So eye-opening. I think it's an incredible journey that you've had. I know you personally. I know uh, how many things you've you've improved in your life, physically, mentally, spiritually. So congratulations, and thank you for coming on and giving our listeners a little taste of what can be accomplished if you put your mind and body to anything really in life. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mitch. This is this is very yeah. This has been very uh, eye-opening and informative. Uh, myself have, have changed careers a number of times and enjoyed every moment of it. And I think that with your guidance, most people um, could uh, could do the same. So uh, great, great work. Uh, you're doing you're doing best. You're doing awesome. Um, and want to hear more about your journey uh, in the in the coming months. So looking forward to, to to talking with you further. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to, Alex. That's great. And thanks so much, guys, for having me. Really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week.